What's up, everyone? Welcome into More Important Issues. More Important Issues is brought to you by our sponsors, Tennessee Tap House, Hound Dogs, Billy Ratless Tap 40 Grill, and Blue Water Climate Control. Here's a quick word from our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. People always ask, where did we get the name Blue Water Climate Control? When a Navy ship casts off lines, exits the harbor, and loses sight of land, that's blue water sailing. It takes a team of people to do that tireless work, focus, and attention to detail. So much of starting a business is just like that. After it's done, you get filled with deep satisfaction for accomplishing something. And it's quickly followed by, now the real work begins. We're Blue Water Climate Control. Back. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, could be Wayne. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. I love it, baby. Them orange bridges. Something about them orange bridges. Ball hit high in the air in the right field. Going back to Sayre. And Tennessee can say hello with Column. A grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. You can't draw it up any better. We just won a basketball game, and we're very happy right now. I made up my mind, and I don't expect to ever look back. I'm going to stay at the University of Tennessee. Yeah! What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of More Important Issues. This one, it's kind of special. I don't know if uh, if our producer Landon there mapped it out this way intentionally, but this is an offensive line episode right here. We're talking, I mean, we've got an offensive line position preview. We've got uh, three hours <clears throat> dedicated to Trey Smith. That, that Stay stay for, you know, you come, come for the offensive line, you stay for Trey Smith. That's the way it goes. Okay, maybe not three hours, but we are going to talk about Trey Smith. He is... Um, Taking the uh, NFL world by storm just a couple years ago, he kind of took college football by storm, which is so weird. I I guess it's because he's a Tennessee guy and everybody expects that if you sign with Tennessee in the last decade, you're not the real deal. He was like the number one player on ESPN. Um, I mean, it, nobody should be shocked if they watch SEC football on Saturdays that Trey Smith is where he's at. Like no one should be. I don't know why people are. Yeah. uh, Mike Farrell. I don't know when you plan on sending out, those gift baskets, but I'll take uh, one. I, I, I would go ahead and get started on it. Do you think they're edible arrangements? I, I love edible arrangements. I don't know. Um, well, from from Mike Farrell's tweet about Trey Smith, I don't think he has very good taste, so probably not. <laughs> Fair. I, I'm a flower guy too. Um, cheapest. Hey, I'm telling you guys, ten bucks a week, make your girlfriend happy, wife happy, whatever she is. It's it's worth it. And um, I don't know. The, the Kroger next to my house has a great selection of flowers. So big flower guy here too. I'll take so my whatever. wife isn't into flowers. That doesn't make her happy. That's like she's like, why did? I mean, she, of course she likes to gesture, but she'd rather me take her out to eat. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna kill me if she hears that. <laughs> flowers are cheaper. Flowers are cheaper. Uh, yeah. Of course, we like I said, we have our offensive line position preview as we continue our countdown to football. Twenty four days away. Did I get that right? Yep. Okay, so I tweeted it. I just uh, I kind of I try to keep up with Aaron Aiden days away. Oh God, why did you ask me? I would I would miss that trivia question. Um, we'll go with it. We'll go with it, regardless of what number he wore. We'll go with it. God, now I gotta look it up. Yeah, I'm, that's gonna. Was I'm he twenty five? 
I would have missed that trivia question. Look it up. Um, we're also going to bring on Ron Shumpert of um, uh, uh, Rocky Top Insider. Sorry, he's twenty four. Yeah, that's right. There you, you go. There it. you go. Taryn Hayden. Days. Todd, Todd Kelly too. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna bring on Ryan and, and talk some balls with him and get his thoughts on the upcoming season as well as some baseball as well and um, just all things balls. So uh, we appreciate him hopping on the show. That'll be just later on. So hang on, Peyton Manning. You heard him as he welcomed you guys in. More important issues. He did that just for us. Um, he his Hall of Fame. I actually did. You watch any of the induction? Or the I did. Yeah. Did? Um, did you watch after Peyton Manning? No. Not in either. <laughs> I was so glad he didn't go last. I was like, man, it'll be way past my bedtime if he goes last. I will. I do want to go watch Calvin Johnson and Charles Woodson's. I want to watch theirs. Uh, I heard Charles Woodson's was really good, um, but I did not stay up to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I mentioned, Trey Smith. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him, and it uh, looks like he may be starting for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs this year. That offensive line, um, I, mean, I know they were banged up in the Super Bowl, but they, they could uh, use some extra bodies. I'm sure they would have liked that in last year. Yeah. Um, so and uh, then we started for him last year too. That, that's a fair point. Um, questions. If you got them, drop them in the chat. We'll get going here. And of course, get on to our segments later on too. most important and fail of the week. Let's start talking. Let's, let's open it up with offensive line. Um, I think the, um, you know, the, I guess the biggest offensive line story right now, Dane Davis, right? Yeah. Besides Karon Calvert is probably out for the season with a torn bicep. That's um, contributed to Dane Davis being the the big talk, but <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So Dane, yeah. Dane, Dane Davis, Danny boy. We actually mentioned him on the show last time. Uh, something about golf. I don't know how it came about, but we actually did nothing to do with football, but we actually did talk about him on the last show. Um, this offensive line though, that this, it's going to be an experience. Like, a pretty experienced group. Um, yeah, I know the you mentioned this too. I believe with the running backs, Caden Mays kind of still trying to find where he fits on the line, just because he is the most experienced guy there, and um, and he's your most talented too. And he's your most talented. But I think you you do have a lot of guys that um, got some playing time last year, but not a lot that had like solid roles. So they're still trying to figure out how the offensive line fits together, and that's when you'll find where you'll find Caden Mays. Um, where, where he sits in that. And, I mean, definite starter, just as far as where, that's still up in the air. Yeah, and, and la- you mentioned last season, um, and I think it's going to be completely different this season. Obviously, there's new coaches. I think we have maybe an upgraded offensive line. I know Will Friend came in here, and we thought he was the next uh, great offensive line. I was trying to think of a good offensive line coach, but I can't really think of one. Um, I guess – Former. <laughs> <laughs> There's had to be um, some, some more since then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he just was very underwhelming. And, you know, the TVA or whatever had so much hype coming into the season and just didn't live up to it. I know COVID probably had something to do with that. But, you know, coaching and some injuries. And I, I think there was eight different games where we had a different lineup. Yeah, and and I I said it last show. I, I think the offensive line maybe caught some heat last year. I don't, and I, I think I think the overall play of the team maybe uh, kind of attributed to that. And obviously they're part of the team, so they have to pay for that some. But I thought I think they were maybe um, harshly criticized, and for good reason. I mean, the one that stands out the most is when Harrison Bailey got knocked down and and they didn't pick him up. But um, and I I think there were points of things that looked like that throughout the season. Um, when I say, un, 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 I don't know about unfairly, but maybe a little harshly criticizes, you got to – it's hard 
to run an offense. It's hard when you're when you're so one dimensional. When when they're when they're able to stack the box and then send whatever blitz they want to, because your quarterback can't you know can't be any coverage when you're when you know most of the time you're going to be running between the tackles that makes your job really really hard yeah they, and, they definitely weren't being helped out by their skill positions last year with or play you know, calling or yeah yeah that's and, and and then or themselves i mean i'm not sitting here saying the offensive line just deserves to get a freebie or anything they struggled last year but i think and that's for every position offensively when you're one dimensional it's really difficult yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned quarterback. He didn't help them out at all. Um, and, you know, they kind of returned the favor. You know, one quarterback gets knocked down, they didn't help him up. And uh, and then your running backs couldn't break a tackle. So even if you do miss something, you you had some – you hope to have some erasers, guys that can break a tackle, um, maybe make somebody miss in the backfield if they get through. I was going to make that note. I was going to make that note. It is unfair to expect running backs to break tackles in the backfield. That's true. <laughs> you shouldn't be getting touched behind the line of scrimmage often. But if if you're that good at like the two guys we had last year, I mean, they're on the Doak Walker award list. I mean, those guys should break more tackles than they did last season. Again, 2020 is over with. We shouldn't dwell on it too much. But uh, I, I think this offensive line should be a lot better. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you have some some quality depth. <laughs> Um, how much quality be- depth I think is to be determined. Clint Ellerby said today that they have probably nine or ten guys that could probably start. I don't know if there's nine <laughs> or ten of them, but uh, I hope. Do we have that many offensive linemen? I thought yeah. we were a little too thin than that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you have some guys who played last year. Cade Mays, Darnell Wright, um, Calvert before he got hurt. Cooper Mays played a little bit. Spragans played. Jerome Carvin. So they, they have some guys that have some SEC experience and – that have played in this league. And I, I think it's going to be totally different when you look at this um, this coaching staff, what they want to do offensively, it, you know, the up-tempo, go fast. Those guys are going to have to be in shape, number one. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that helps them out. Like, they're not having – they're trying to get the ball out quick, try to get to their playmakers, let them make plays. And I think that helps them out a little bit. A, a unit that gave up 29 sacks last season, I think that was 12th in the SEC. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not that. That is not a good stat. Um, you, you mentioned um, uh, playing time and how I mean everybody on this line is experienced outside of Dane Davis. Um, everyone else, I, I mean, I would say Cooper Mays. I, I don't know the exact amount of snaps he got, but he was in there late in the season. I would say significant playing time, um, at least as a you know he'll be a sophomore this year, so uh, for a freshman. So pretty much everyone that's on that starting roster. Um, they're expected starters, I guess I should say. Uh, they do have experience, like you said, in this league. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that um, there's not a substitute for it. And, and and so how good they played last year, yeah, that that is going to play into what you think of this group. Um, but the good news is, is they do carry over that experience. And I thought Cooper Mays played played well at times. I thought he showed flashes of a, a pretty good true freshman um, and starting at center. I mean, that that's not an easy task. Um, and then, I mean, Dane Davis has always kind of had some, you know, I guess hype around him, maybe because of his size. What is he, six seven? Yeah, yeah and, he's massive. Massive. And, and he wouldn't be – he probably wouldn't be starting this year. I know he was. his name was already kind of tossed around even before K-Ron Calvert got injured. 
Um, now that he's gone, now that he's down though, and I, I don't know if they've announced exactly what the situation with him, with him is. I know it's expected that it's going to be a long term injury, um, but you do expect him to step in and fill that role. Uh, you did mention what would nine to ten starters potentially could be, or that you have on the roster. Well, when you talk about how fast this offense is going to run, I think you're going to expect to see some uh, more rotation than you have lately with the offensive line group. Right, but I mean, also like. You know, in the middle of a drive, I don't think you're going to see a lot of that because you can't. you're going. Yeah, you, you can't. can't you can't sub out if you want to go as fast as they want to go. Um, so, yeah, I think a guy like Darnell Wright had to lose 20 pounds to get in the right shape. I think Cade Mays had to lose some weight. William Parker, the incoming freshman, had to lose some weight. You mentioned size. R.J. Perry is probably the biggest lineman they have. Is just a freaking massive individual that they like to um, see what they got in him. And William Parker was an early enrollee, so I think that's good to have another tackle body out there with the loss of Karon Calvert. We mentioned Riley Locklear last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he retired. That's another guy that had experience that has already gone down. So he already you're already down two more offensive linemen um, than you started with. So not ideal, but uh, I think they have some some options. But uh, somebody said, "Hey there, <laughs> what's up, Chris? You got, you got a shout out." Yeah, what's up, Christian? Uh, Clint Daniels mentioned bicep tear, so I know that was. I think they said he was going for an MRI, though. Did they ever officially announce? I don't think it, it's it's definitely not official, but that's what they think it's going right. to be is a bicep tear, which is probably out. That's that's a season, usually a season-ending injury. Um, but they, I know they did say that he was going to be going for an MRI, um, so I'm sure that'll be announced shortly. But yeah, that's uh, being down a, a starter and potentially a, another guy that sees significant playing time that definitely affects your group. And both those guys, um, very experienced offensive linemen. Um, so that, again, not not a great, you know, nothing can really substitute experience. Um, I, I do, like I said, I, I was made 29 sacks, so that I kind of, I forget a lot about 2020, thankfully. Um, forgot about that stat. I would like to go see the um, twenty nine sacks and, and really give my opinion. Yeah, let, let's let's make it clear: all twenty nine was not their fault, right? So that uh, that definitely. But again, and the running backs are pretty terrible in, in pass protection, also. So yeah, GD at Donald, shout out, Peyton. Um, <laughs> which I always thought he was supposed to run a flat on that play, but then I, I watched it again because it was tweeted out yesterday. He may have had some responsibility on the blind side there that he missed too. So mm. yeah, so I'm not sure. Can't what do exactly. that. Not sure exactly what he was supposed to do there. But I think there's also some versatility on this offensive line, which maybe you haven't had a lot of that in the past. Like Cade Mays, Golish mentioned that he's going to be one of the starting five. Now, is he going to be a guard or tackle? That's to be determined. But you have multiple guys that can play different positions. Drum Carvin has played some center, played uh, played guard. Um, I think Cooper Mays has played some – I mean, I, he was like a reserve tight end or whatever that – heavy package was but can play in multiple positions darnell Wright has moved from the the right side to the left side but something he hasn't done since high school so um I, I think you have some versatility some options and i think that's good with an offensive line that that wants to go fast guys can sub in and out and they don't have that one set position that they have to play yeah no i would definitely agree with that and um you may i think you said this too the speed that the this offense is going to play with too. I mean, it's not only going to help with the ball getting out quicker. You also, I mean, defenses can only do so much against fast-paced offenses too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that helps the I think that helps the offensive line as well. Uh, now, obviously, if you're not effective going quick, um, then nothing really changes for the defense. But if you're able to get the ball out quick, if you're moving the ball down the field, um, that does kind of give you a leg up against that defensive front. And so I think this offense can help to a, a lesser experienced offensive line and or a lesser, I guess, group of offensive linemen, um, just as far as first off, they're going to defense is going to have to be rotating guys in and out. Um, if you think there's going to be a lot of substitutions on offense, I mean, look at how I mean, look at the look at the offenses that have killed Tennessee due to their lack of depth. So that that, that the speed should help it. And I. You know, I, I think I've, – I've said this, too, about Alabama, how everyone's like – I mean, I, if, if Nick Saban went to it, then there's something to this no-huddle, hurry-up, RPO offense. First off, Alabama can run any offense in the world they want to, and they're going to be effective. <laughs> uh, now they've just found a different way to be effective. But I don't think ten, – Tennessee doesn't have that luxury. Um, they're going to – they have to grab at every advantage they can, and I think a fast-tempo offense is um, is going to be an advantage for this Tennessee football team. Yeah, and something that they didn't have last year was a lot of big plays. I think this is going to have, you know, it should have a lot of big plays, score quickly, and then go sit your big ass down a little bit, <laughs> take a break. Um, yeah, I think there'll be hopefully there's more of that this this come around because last year there it just was slim to none. Yep, yep. Uh, big plays would would be nice. Got to give your quarterback some time to get the ball out though. Uh, but I, I do I do expect this offensive line to see improvement this year. I, if you see 29 sacks with this offense, there are some serious issues, whether it be with your your play calling, whether it be with your quarterback, and then obviously your offensive line is a big part of that if you're giving up 29 sacks. But um, uh, that that can't be repeated if, if Tennessee wants to win ballgames this year. That, that's not a winning formula in any offense. <laughs> that's not a winning formula. So yeah. – Again, I'm not expecting I'm not expecting Tennessee to even necessarily win six games this year. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, um, but it starts up front in this league. No matter what kind of offense you're running, it starts up front. And if they do want to get to that five win mark, which I think is, I, I what's weird about this schedule is I think five is almost your floor, and six is almost your ceiling. And so it, you have a really really thin line where if you want to go out and be effective. Um, you just got to go take care of business in the games you're supposed to because you're not going to be gifted a lot, a lot else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this group has to stay healthy throughout the season. I think there is some depth, but I don't think there's a ton of it, especially at tackle. Um, you know, if you, if you lose a tackle, you're down to, you know, you're losing a guard at Cade Mays, number one. Um, if you, you go Dane Davis and, and Darnell Wright, and then if one of that those guys goes down, it's William Parker Griffin, who's a true freshman, or it's um, Jeremiah Crawford, who is a, a newcomer as well and a JUCO transfer that was a late addition to this class when Josh Heupel took over. Yeah, there, there's you definitely have some more room to work on the interior line, um, but yeah, the you desperately need Dane Davis and, and Darnell Wright to to stay healthy desperately, yep. and, and I mean that's kind of the case with everybody on this roster, just because. It is pretty thin, um, but especially at, at tackle. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So starting five, well, let's go. Who's your starting five? Without I, even knowing anything, pads, they're in full pads starting tomorrow. Tomorrow's first day of full pads, so we haven't really seen a whole lot. But what's your kind of prediction as of now? I, I think it's I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, you talk about how much depth. <clears throat> I don't know if you truly have nine guys that could start. 
Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward with Darnell Wright, Cade Mays, Cooper Mays, Jerome Calvin, uh, <laughs> Jerome Cal- Carvin, Calvin. I'm mixing up uh, K. Ron Calvert, uh, and then with Calvert out, Dane Davis. Um, I don't think okay. there's really, I, I don't think there's much many questions regarding the starting five. Maybe there are. I, I don't think there is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's is Dane Davis one of your top five? If he's not, then Cade will probably be a tackle. If he is, Fair. then Cade's gonna Cade's gonna be a guard. Um. So yeah, it's going to be because Spragans probably is your next guard, I think. Um, if Cade's yeah. at tackle, so yep, agreed. So that, that's so you're thinking same starting five and or Spragans at guard. I mean, hopefully Dane Davis is that that guy because I think having Cade Mays on the interior line can do a lot for especially a running game. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm all about letting your your best player be where he's most effective. I, I get Agreed. you want to find your best five, but you know I, I think when Trey Smith was more effective when he was a guard than he was, well, at that. And, and that's kind of luxury. That like yeah, like you said, you want that guy playing it, but you also got to play him where your team's best too, right? And, yeah. and so you, you want to have the luxury of moving him to the interior line, but if mm-hmm. you need him because your best five has him at, at right tackle, well, then you're just going to have to go with that or left tackle. Sorry. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, now we're going to welcome on Ryan Shumpert. He is a beat writer for Rocky Top Insider. He's gonna. He's uh, here to talk Vols. Ryan, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, thank Absolutely. you for hopping on. We uh, we love it. And um, welcome anytime, first off. Uh, I'm sure they'd like to hear from you better than us. Um, <laughs> we, we enjoy following you on Twitter. If you uh, if you don't, what's your, what's your actual uh, Twitter handle? Rshump, S-C-H-U-M-P, zero, zero. There you go. Ryan's at, Ryan's uh, covering the Vols for Rocky Top Insider this season. It's a new position for you. You've been with the Beacon the last couple of years. Is that right? That is, Vol yeah. Quest. So I, yeah, I did uh, baseball over VolQuest and then was the sports editor at the Beacon uh, the past, I guess, two years, uh, starting with the 2019 football season and ended in spring. Well, let's get right into – I'm going to get into football first. Um, I, I really enjoy you covering the baseball team, um, but I, I like how you cover football as well. You actually got to be at practice. This is the most recent thing, so we'll start with football. Fall camp is in full swing. You were there today. What What were you kind of most excited about seeing um, finally getting back at a practice? Yeah, I, I think early on it's just kind of seeing a little bit of the quarterbacks. Obviously, there's there's always excitement there. Also, when they're not in full pads, there's only so much you can see on uh, the defensive line, offensive line. But uh, certainly interesting to look at some of those newcomers on defense because I think there's a lot of those guys that are going to have to play a, a pretty big role this fall for Tennessee. So getting a, kind of a first look at those guys because obviously I've ne- never seen them at all. Most of them weren't here in the spring, or at least a lot of them weren't. And then getting a little bit of more look at the quarterbacks. I know today there was some talk. I think I think it was Dane Davis that mentioned the um... – the overall just I don't know if culture is the right word to necessarily describe it. What's the feeling around practice versus uh, I know you guys weren't there last year due to due to COVID, but what's the the overall feeling around practice right now? Is it is it more upbeat? Do the guys seem to be responding better? Like what what do you, was your takeaway from that comment and then what you've seen? Yeah, no, that comment was interesting. I mean, we've heard a lot of guys go down that road a little bit, but Davis certainly went a little further and used some more uh, – Big words that kind of catch your eye, I guess. So that was interesting. But, no, I think definitely talking to the players, there's – they're having fun again. And, you know, I think some of that 
it's hard to blame Jeremy Pruitt and his staff there with the COVID, all that stuff. It's go, you know, go to practice, you can't hang out after that, go back to your room. And that's, that's tough to build camaraderie that way. But I think Heifel noticed when he got here that that was something that the players wanted. So it's, it's been an emphasis. And I think coming off a season where you really just couldn't have that stuff, it, it's made it a lot more fun in, in a season for them last year that went pretty sour, obviously pretty quickly. And I think that, last month and a half of the season was probably pretty agonizing for a lot of guys. Yeah, and you mentioned Dane Davis, and he's a guy that, you know, people turn their heads because of his size. Who are some other guys that, like, you want to come off the bus first for uh, – who, who are some of those guys that – just a intimidation factor? Dejon Terry is number one for me. I mean, that <laughs> dude is a behemoth, and I'll tell you what, I don't know how much this matters getting off the bus, but he's very, his footwork's very quick for a guy that size. I mean, I've been really impressed by him. I'd say, keeping on the transfer theme, Jawan Mitchell is a, he's an old school kind of 90s, 2000 looking linebacker. I mean, he's a big dude. I I think he's going to play really well in in the run game. Other than that, you know, Dane Davis, Caden Mays, uh, I'll say Javante Spragans is, we talked to him today. He's another, he's a nasty looking uh, guy. So I, I think you'd want him. Off the off the bus first, and obviously the, the junkyard dog too. Elijah Simmons can't can't leave him out. The uh, I'm going to flip over to kind of the, the I think the biggest question is quarterback, but I think it's also more than just like who that guy's going to be. What's the um, what's kind of the the connection right now with with quarterback and wide receiver and, and those groups? Are they uh, is there one guy that seems to be clicking with the group better beyond just flat out skill? Yeah, I don't know if I would say that, that anyone is, at least from what we've been able to see, mm-hmm. particularly uh, clicking more. You know, that's something I think really intriguing because not only is this quarterback competition where two guys could be the starter, I think very realistically three guys could be the starter. And how do you build that camaraderie, that timing with uh, different guys? And, I mean, Jimmy Callaway said it last week talking to us, Joe Milton throws a completely different ball. I mean, it, it comes out of the hand different. It's a lot different than Harrison Bailey. So, to me, that's a big question. I would think that'd be an important reason to get this thing whittled down to at least two quarterbacks, you know, as soon as they feel comfortable doing so. But all Tennessee's receivers we talked to last week, the tight ends kind of downplayed that aspect. But uh, I think that's something that's certainly worth watching here in the next few weeks. And uh, so you all only do get to see so much. Who's the uh, wide receiver-wise, who, who's running the best routes or who's just the flat-out quickest? I think we saw Valus had to hold up for a ball today. Who's, uh, who, who's going to have to figure out the – how to get the ball to him. Yeah, no, I, I think Jalen Hyatt and Javante Payton are two guys that are uh, with B-list are, are really fast and certainly are kind of the, the burners in the offense. And Javante Payton talking to us last week was joking. B-list had said he was one of the fastest players on the team and Javante <laughs> was saying absolutely not. It was him or Jalen. And they, they proposed a race to him before between him and Hyatt. And he was like, we, we're not going to do a race. And when he took – when Bayless's name got thrown in the mix, that we might have to race to get this thing <laughs> to get this thing settled real quick. But I think those three guys have uh, stood out: Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy Holiday. Uh, Callaway had a really good spring. I think he's continued that on a little bit. I think that second group, kind of behind, I think you know what you have in Vilas and, and Jalen Hyatt. I think Peyton has been impressive, but I think that you know, obviously you're not going to play through a receiver's whole game. I think that's kind of second group is where Tennessee still has to figure some stuff out. Yeah, you mentioned the speed of the wide receivers. Um, and you, you pretty much mentioned all of them having speed. Um, from a uh, from a 
like strength wise, what 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 is the one position on this team that you're like, okay, that's going to be Tennessee's strength come this fall? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one that is at least intriguing to me is defensive line because you had Greg Emerson transfer out, you had Daryl Middleton transfer out, and I think in my mind it was kind of like these guys they're going to be pretty thin. But then you get out there and you start looking around, they got a lot of bodies that are capable. A lot of those guys played pretty well in 2019, especially the back half of that season and. You just wonder how much of the disaster of Jimmy Brumball leaving three weeks in the season, not having a position coach really hurt that group last year. So I think you have guys that played at a pretty high level in the SEC. And I don't even say that about many other position groups at Tennessee, along with some intriguing young players and a Tyler Barron, Dejon Terry, obviously a transfer. And then I think Rodney Garner, just the experience there. I think that has the potential to be a really good group. And then on offense, to me, it's a – big question mark. I think all four groups have a lot of potential, even the quarterback spot to maybe be the strength. But I do think that running back room uh, maybe has more potential than people would think, especially considering what they have 144 yards, something like that back from last year's team. I think uh, Jabari Small is a, a really solid player. I think Tyon Evans and the Juco uh, product is a, a really good piece as well. Yeah, we've seen Tyon Evans and his thighs. Is he another kind of <laughs> first off the bus kind of guy? Yeah, he's got the Saquon Barkley uh, legs. That's immediately what I thought of when I saw it. It was just there like, this go. dude should not be a running back. Like, this is this is absurd. He's got some tree trunks for, for yeah. his legs. I don't know if there's another position that a guy with legs that big can play. I think it's only running back. Yeah, it, it probably is. I mean, we're Khalil McKenzie Yeah, we're on the line. I mean, Khalil McKenzie is an all-time legs guy that are just massive. I mean, some of those pictures from his freshman year are unbelievable. He's got he's got elephant legs. <laughs> uh, the running back room is intriguing. You talked about how many guys are in there, but also pretty much no production. You're returning. Yeah. How how does uh, I mean it's it seems to be Jabari Small's kind of job to lose right now. Hopefully he's hopefully he pans out. Um, but as far as guys that they can utilize, you already mentioned Tyon Evans. Who's who are those next next group? Because you could see a lot of guys rotating at that position. Yeah, no, that's I think the big question with that group. And Alex Golish said last week they want to have three to four guys ready. Definitely have three guys earning reps every week, and then have a fourth one ready. So I think that's really anyone's game. I mean, T. Hodge is a guy that looked good in the spring. Jalen Wright really fast, probably the fastest running back in that group, and then. D. Beckwith, it's just a, a massive athlete, I think, is at least someone I'm really curious about. You know, he found a home and running back in the spring. And which one of those three guys, all three of them seem like they'd be capable of doing it. But can someone kind of take a jump forward, carve out a role? And because all three of those guys really are different types of backs. And, and I think all of them open up some intriguing possibilities. Miles Campbell, um, is a guy that's probably going to have to have a lot of playing time. And Alex Golish mentioned last week that uh, he's never played a uh, freshman at tight end before. What have you seen from Miles Campbell, and does he look like he's able to kind of carry that load this season? Yeah, he's he's an impressive looking athlete. I mean, especially for a freshman. I mean, he's come in and his body looks departed, and that's what his teammates have talked about. Is that mentally he's been there, but. It's it's funny watching the tight ends practice because there's there's literally four of them out there. It's him, Jacob Warren, uh, Princeton Fant, and then Julian Nixon. So two four guys out there doing drills, and two of them are true freshmen. I mean it, it's it's crazy, but they're getting a lot of reps, obviously, and that's probably something that's going to be important. And you know I, I think he's a guy that could prob probably won't be a starter, but uh, certainly is going to have to play reps and, and someone you're going to want to see 
develop over the course of the season and be uh, available to be a number two guy uh, towards the end of the year and not force Tennessee to play less, you know, 12 personnel than, than they may want. And well, so that's kind of the next kind of question about tight ends, too. We know Hypo likes to utilize them in this offense, and it, and it can help a quarterback out a lot. From, I mean, I know you all have been very, very limited. Hopefully get to see some more um, team action here soon, maybe in scrimmages. Is, is the tight end position going to be able to be utilized this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a good question. I mean, uh, I really don't have the answer for it, <laughs> honestly. And I, I think the pieces are there. I mean, Jacob Warren had a, a couple really nice games towards the end of the year last year. And, and the guy who came to UT is a really good receiving tight end. I mean, that's what he was known for at Farragut. And uh, I think Princeton fans, a guy that certainly has the athleticism to play there. Does he have the polish? I mean, it's just it's just a big question. I mean, you just don't really know because it was never utilized at all last year. I mean, if you could probably count the number of balls they threw to tight ends on one or two hands last season. So you have guys that at least looked the part, guys who in Fant's case was a, has had a, a few catches, at least had a lot of reps. Um, but I, I certainly think it's a big question going forward. Yeah, switching over to uh, recruiting a little bit, um, you know, it's – I guess it's kind of been a struggle at this point. I mean, you have quite a bit of commits so far. Um, a, a lot of them, you know, kind of three stars, uh, some four stars kind of mixed in there. What do you – what have you seen from from the staff recruiting-wise? Um, how, how have you think they've held up and, you know, kind of working um, against the NCAA violations and, you know, just coming off a bad season? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's where it's it's really hard to judge. It's just how how much does the NCAA investigation hurt them in recruiting? I mean, you know it hurts them, but uh, to, to what effect? And I think that's where you look at it. This is probably one of, if not the best ever, class in the state of Tennessee. And right now they have one guy committed in the top 20. Obviously, Walter Nolan's guy they're in the thick of with that I think really would change the narrative uh, around this recruiting class and around Heifel's ability to recruit. So. I think that's the kind of number you look at and you say, you got to be better than that. I mean, you got to, even with the, the sanctions, but I mean, I certainly think he's added a lot of solid pieces. Quarterbacks just, I mean, obviously it's an obvious statement. It's just so, so important. I mean, that's the quickest way for Tennessee to get back to winning eight games, nine games a year to have good quarterback play. And so to, yeah, I think it makes sense. And that's hype of what he's known for. So to have some, uh, a big time quarterback commit and Tavon Jackson and then the, the receiver commits, offensive line, obviously Addison Nichols is the highest rated guy in the class. I think it is no surprise you have seen him have some success on the offensive side. You mentioned Walter Nolan. Is him being in Knoxville, is that a, is that a good sign or is it a no? We'll see. Is it, is it a good sign for Tennessee? I mean, it, it's a good sign, but it's also, we'll see. I don't, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. but I it can't hurt, I right? It, yeah, it certainly <laughs> doesn't hurt having him be 15, 20 minutes from your campus. I imagine you're going to be able to get him uh, on campus for a lot more games than you would go if you went to IMG, where you maybe get him one, or even if he stayed out in Memphis, maybe gets to one or two. Uh, I think it certainly helps Tennessee a lot. And if, I think if Tennessee has a good year this year and you kind of have the momentum and, and the energy around the football program, I think it could really go a long way that he's in Knoxville to kind of see it. Mm. Do you think there's a lot of guys that are wait or that are, you know, they have Tennessee high, but they're also going to wait and see because. I'm sure Heupel and staff have sold them on the vision, but, you know, vision's only a vision until you put it – you think there's a lot of guys like, let's see if you can win football games or be competitive in those games, and and I'll reevaluate where Tennessee's out on my board. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't think there's maybe a ton of guys in what would this be, the 2022 class mm -hmm. that are, are like that. But I think when you start looking at the younger kids, you know, going into 23, 24 class, 
there's a ton of that. And I think there's certainly some guys in the 22 class too. Any guy that you're, you're in on right now, it's, it's going to, it has to be a wait and see. It has to be a wait and see about, is there any, ever anything come out about the NCAA investigation? Yep. What are the punishments going to be? And what Josh Heifel can do in the field? Can he impress a little bit? And can Tennessee have a bounce back season? And we actually had that question, so I'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, regarding the NCAA investigation, when, when is Tennessee going to hear about that? Are they going to self-impose something anytime soon? Or is that just investigations still ongoing? Tennessee's kind of playing their cards close to their chest. What's the, like, what are your thoughts on it? What have you heard? Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard a whole lot, you know, just being honest. I, I would have thought that we would have had some self-sanctioning here mm-hmm. and by you know, the beginning of August, basically, right? By when the time they start right. fall camp. But, yeah, I mean, you haven't seen anything. So, and Josh Heifel, when asked about it, says he hasn't had any conversations with Danny White or Dondi Plowman about it. So, you know, he could be lying, obviously, about that. But it, it doesn't right. seem like it, it's been a major focus. And, and to me, that's surprising. So, I, it just kind of remains to wait and see. Maybe they just forgot. That'd be that'd be the best, right? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I don't remember who who it was, but maybe it was Kate Nays last year, where it was like, how has he not heard about his transfer waiver yet? And then it comes out that they just didn't. He just announced he was transferring in January, and they just didn't submit it until like June. It's like, what? What? Yeah. What were y'all doing the last five <laughs> right. months that you couldn't submit the the most important transfer? And he misses the first week of the season. I guess it wasn't because of that. They were still waiting on the SEC rule, but. Still, uh, it was a storyline in fall camp last year. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, you, you mentioned the. this is my last kind of football question before we get into baseball, unless Caleb has something else. But you, you mentioned that Tennessee's quarterbacks could be a strength, and, and then that was um, the quickest way to get back to winning eight games. So are you calling for eight games this year? No, I am <laughs> certainly not calling for eight games. On the record, no <laughs> Freezing cold takes coming at me for that. <laughs> Definitely not. But, I mean, it's that's the thing where, I mean, Tennessee, I don't think, you know, on paper is going to be a team that should win more than six games. But the schedule is just so manageable. I mean, you have three mm-hmm. games that you feel pretty confident are not going to win and three big rivals. And then your next Hornets game is an Ole Miss team that is basically is kind of being written off as a loss right now. And, I mean, Ole Miss is better than Tennessee, but – I don't – they're not greater by any means. That um, Lane Kibben's still joking about how they haven't forced anybody to punt since he's been there. So and I don't think there's a whole lot of signs they're going to be much better on that side of the ball this year. So uh, I certainly think if you have a quarterback that goes out there and plays well, you, you can steal some games and uh, certainly overachieve in Heifel's first year. Yeah, I think we've kind of talked about that. There's there's definitely eight wins that, that are possible on there. But if you get to that, that it's not going to be easy to get to that. No. Uh, but there are there. Uh, I do have one last football question, and this is kind of an overview um, of Josh Heupel. What are your just – and I know that it helps to kind of see somewhat of what he's already doing at Tennessee. I mean, there's, of course, talks that Danny White just brought him from his other job. He, he's not ready for a big-time SEC job, may never have been ready. Is this another going to be a Derek Dooley, Butch Jones situation where he should have – he's a group of five coach and maybe not even a great group of five coach? Or does he have the makings of a, a power five SEC – ball coach i think that's a really good question i mean I, there's certainly a lot of things working against him even before you add the ncaa investigation onto it i think there's a lot of things working against tennessee's program right now and the fact that he's just had three years of a head coach and i think you can debate how successful he was so i, I do think there's a ton of questions i don't think it's unreasonable or unmanageable for him to get tennessee back to winning 
seven, eight games consistently every year. I mean, I think he's certainly a, a capable football coach, a smart football coach. And look, I think getting an offensive football coach is really important just because that's the game's changed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. about going out and scoring 35, 40 points every week to win. It's not about days of having an SEC defense coordinator as your head coach. I just don't think that that's smart. I think you figure out, you go hire people to figure out the ball. You need an, an innovative offensive offensive coach to be really successful in college football today. And I think Josh Heifel, for whatever you want to say about him, I think he it certainly has the makings to be that. And I think if he can just uh, raise the level of Tennessee on the offense side of the ball, I think it's, it's not unreasonable to think he can get Tennessee back to making a bowl game consistently, winning eight games. Now, how many years until when you're not beating your rivals and you're not truly contending, does that buy you? I think that's going to be the really, really hard challenge for Josh Heifel. But uh, I certainly think the makings are – there for him to improve the Tennessee program. Yeah, Ron, really appreciate you get coming on the show for one and then getting your take on football. I want to switch over to baseball a little bit. Um, you were kind of in the, the whole thick of that um, last season with Tony Vitello and the boys making their way to Omaha for the first time since 2005. What was kind of your key to uh, to that team's success last season? That's that's a good question. And, you know, for a lot of the season, I'll say at least through the first half of SEC play, you know, I had the feeling watching them like this is a good team, but they're, you know, they're a little overranked. They don't have top five talent and, you know, they'll come back down to earth a little bit, but they were just really, really solid uh, on with their pitching staff. And I think that's something you're going to see consistently as long as Frank Anderson's at Tennessee that they didn't have a lot of guys. I mean, they really had one guy that threw mid to upper 90s. Uh, last year and didn't have a ton of debt by their pitching staff. Had their best guy get injured first, second weekend of the season in Jackson Leaf, and they were still really, really solid there. And then they had uh, one through nine uh, hitters that weren't always – you had one or two guys that were stars. I'd say Liam Spence, Jake Rucker. Those guys were all SEC caliber, caliber, oh, caliber <laughs> players. Behind those uh, two guys, you had a lot of guys that, that were solid and you didn't really have – one through nine, more than on a weekend, you weren't going to have more than two guys, three guys struggle, it seemed like, and it made a really uh, consistent lineup to go with that consistent pitching staff. And looking at – you mentioned the the talent, how it, it kind of seemed – it seemed shallow um, throughout the season. You were always kind of looking at injuries like, you know, I mean, Connor Pavlone was a big one. Like when he gets yeah. back, you feel better. This year it seems like you have a, a ton. Now, obviously, some questions because it's some newcomers, but it also seems like you're going to have a ton of talent. Um, the one that stands out, you mentioned guys that can throw too. Joyce, getting him is going to be big for that bullpen. Um, is this team better? Is, is 2022 better? Yeah, I mean, I think it has the potential to be as as good or better. I think the talent on the pitching, the pitching staff, I mean, it's – I said there was one guy last year to throw up or nine. There's going to be about five guys this year to mm-hmm. can. And uh, they're going to be – and then you start looking at a guy like Mark McLaughlin or, or Kirby Canale who – as sophomores last year contributed, those guys take another step and can go forward. I mean, this pitching staff looks really, really good. I just don't see a way there's not, at least early in the season, some uh, growing pains with the lineup. I mean, you just lose too many guys that were too important, too consistent for you for there not to be. But they uh, weren't killed or hurt too bad by the draft. I mean, they lost a couple guys that they would have liked to get on campus, obviously. I don't think anyone ever expected Brady House to be there, but Ryan Spikes is a guy that – I think would have uh, been a day one starter, but they didn't get killed. They still had some some main guys make it through, and I, I think they have the talent to uh, 
uh, be really good again next year. Be a, a regional host caliber team at least. Yeah, you mentioned some of those guys in that recruiting class: Ryan, Sp- Ryan Spikes, Brady House, um, Dayton Dooney was another guy. Who are some other guys that that Tennessee fans should really get to know uh, coming into next season? Yeah, well, Chase Burns is the big one. I mean, he was a five-star, big-time pitching prospect out of Beach High School there in Gallatin in the mid-state, and he's a guy that throws upper 90s, and, you know, from everything I've heard, he's a guy that's going to come in right away and compete to be a weekend starter. I mean, he's that type of talent. He he wanted to go first round, early second round when he didn't get drafted there. He just went ahead and told teams he was coming to Tennessee, so I think that was a huge get. From a talent perspective, I think he was definitely a top two, top three round guy in the draft. So getting him is huge. Seth Stevenson's a Juco guy. I think he's going to come in and probably behind Enrique Bradfield at Vanderbilt be the fastest guy in the SEC. And we'll have a great chance to uh, replace one of those guys in the infield. Chris, Christian Moore is another uh, recruit out of uh, prep shortstop out of New York who's going to have a chance to come in and play, play right away. Logan Chambers, um, what, what do you kind of know about him? I know he's a big lefty, can swing the bat. Um, Position-wise, where do you kind of see him at, at Tennessee? Yes, I think that's an, an intriguing one. I think if Luke Lipsius would have uh, gone pro or, or decided to graduate not take advantage of his super se- senior year, he's a guy that would have gotten a lot of looks at the first base. I know he, he played that in the JUCO ranks this year. And behind Lipsius, I mean, it was kind of a question mark. Logan Steenstra could play there. Uh, with him there, I think second base is a place he could get some uh, a lot of look at. Again, there's pieces, you know, back that were backups last year. Trey Lipscomb, uh, guys like that. Austin Knight, they could not Austin Knight. Excuse me, uh, he's in Charlotte now. He transferred away. <laughs> wrong, wrong name. He had a really good uh, season too. <laughs> he did have a great season. He led the nation in doubles, I, I believe. Yeah. And Jake Rucker was only a couple spots behind him, which was funny because Rucker was the guy who started ahead of him at Tennessee. So uh, they both had a real Conference USA Player of the Year, I believe. But say, and you have some guys that are, that are back that are capable, but you have three spots to replace. You have some of those newcomers uh, I mentioned, I think, that have a chance to start at those infield spots. And uh, Chambers is certainly a guy that I think could fill one of those roles. And I think second base is probably the most likely with Lipsius back. Who do you uh, – so you mentioned the – you talked about the um, – the lineup, how one through nine was, I mean, yeah, you, of course, guys are going to have off nights, but overall one through nine was pretty dang consistent every weekend. Is that going to be a problem for, I mean, you lost a ton there. Um, is that going to be a problem for Tennessee? Do you see guys uh, filling in nicely? Uh, getting Lipsius back is not only big for, you know, the infield at first base, but that's big for the lineup too. Do you see guys kind of just filling in nicely and, and hopefully bringing back some of that consistency? Cause there is talent there for sure. Oh, there is. And, Corwin Lawson was the name I'm thinking of. I said Austin Knight. So Corwin Lawson's a guy that didn't have a ton of opportunities last year, but was impressive when he did play. So you got to get the name in there, right? Uh, but yeah, no, I think it is a question mark, but as many question marks as there are in the infield, I mean, the outfield, you're overflowing yeah. with talent. It's like, where can we get these? Yeah, where can you? Evan Russell comes back, and I'm like, I mean, obviously that's good for Tennessee, but it's like, oh, how are they going to figure out how to play these guys? So I think Kyle Booker is going to be one of the best players. Uh, on Tennessee's team next year. And then you have Christian Scott, who's a fifth reserves this year. So uh, I certainly think they have the depth in the outfield that each night you're going to have four guys when you think of that DH spot, probably in the lineup that are good hitters. Infield, it's just a big question mark. How do these high school guys, these Juco guys, how uh, well can they adjust to the SEC pitching? How consistent can they kind of find a footing once they get into the thick of conference play? So that was kind of my next question. The, the Kyle Booker, Evan Russell 
thing. What what is, what is your kind of prediction on that? I mean, I guess it'll just figure itself out when the season gets here, but what's kind of your prediction on that? Yeah, or is it somebody else that moves around? I, mean, I think it's one of those two guys, and I have a hard time seeing those – you know, all four of those guys out in Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert not being in the lineup most nights. So I think that's right. how it's going to work. One of those guys is going to be a DH because, you know, hand up. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be the leader of the Kyle Booker fan club. If the <laughs> fan club hasn't started yet, and I, I will carry that burden. You know, <laughs> I, I will take one for the team here because I think he's going to be really, really good. So I, who's better, who has a better glove? I mean, Evan Russell's really solid. Obviously, Kyle Booker has the edge on him with athleticism. He's made, he made some impressive plays. Uh, really playing more in center field last year when he he got reps, but uh, it's just a matter of who plays where. Uh, I I have a hard time seeing all four of those guys not being in the lineup most most every night. Yeah, I'm with you on that Kyle Booker fan club because the way <laughs> that kid swings the bat, I mean, he he, he looks like a professional. Uh, I was gonna say, I think you have a you, the club may not have been started, but I don't think it'll be hard to get members. <laughs> that's what I was, that's what I was gonna say. I say that with a laugh because I'm not I don't feel I'm not going on much of a limb saying this. Maybe a casual <laughs> Tennessee fan would think that because he wasn't a starter last year. But that is a really, really talented, really talented kid who had two two hits off Kevin Copps this year and like three at bats. So I think that that says about all you need to know as a, as a true freshman. I mean, yeah. it, he's he's a really impressive player. He's gonna he's gonna be a star for Tennessee in the next two years. Uh, absolutely, and and I do I do want to flash back to last year too, and uh, you were you know covering them throughout the year. I know probably what the favorite moment slash game was, but are there any others? I mean, mention that one because everybody we've had on to talk about baseball. Obviously, we talk about the walk off at Wright State, but um, any other moments that stand out to you? May or maybe when you're like Tennessee's here, like they've arrived. This is ten, this is Tennessee baseball for the for the future at least, while Tony Vitello is still in charge. I mean, you had so many of those moments. It seemed like every couple of weeks there was a new one. Like the L- winning on two walk-offs in one day against LSU to sweep LSU. I mean, that was like, wow. I mean, the game, uh, Redmond Walsh had blown a big lead in the Saturday game at night. So they were down by one going to night finning. Down their last out, down their last strike. And, you know, Drew Gilbert turns on a double down the right field line to tie the game. It's a walk-off. Uh, I guess it was two innings later, I think, in the 11th inning. Like that. That stuff does not happen in Tennessee baseball. I mean, even though you knew the program was different under Vitello to, and then to win the next game with Luke Lipsius. And that was kind of the first one, I guess, obviously to Arkansas, Vanderbilt, there were a ton of them. And another one that was, I'd say really exciting was down at South Carolina. I was uh, in Columbia for that series, the Saturday game, which was game three. Um, John Hundley came in, Tennessee kind of blew a lead in the eighth, got to a one run game. He gave up a leadoff double in the ninth inning and then worked out of the jam and Tennessee one by one. And Sean Hunley just refused to throw anything but a fastball on the outside edge of the plate. And I was sitting there with Ben McKee, who uh, covered team with me at VolQuest last year. And I was like, he's because he, Brady Allen had been a monster weekend for South Carolina. And I think he was up with one out. And I was like, he, he, Brady Allen's going to beat him if he keeps throwing his pitch. Sean Hunley just kept throwing it. Tennessee wins. There's the hot mic moment uh, on the broadcast. I don't know if y'all remember. Some fan was <laughs> – he was unleashing F-bombs, and then uh, it turned out that I win propelled Tennessee to, to win the SEC East when Kentucky beat Vanderbilt later that afternoon. Don't, don't they have some strict rules down there at South Carolina about, about language? I thought they were kicking fans out for that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That early in the season, in the COVID crowd, they, 
I know that was a, had a South Carolina fans roll up. So a lot of people, at least a couple of people got kicked out for cursing the umpire. It wasn't even like the team or something. It was, they weren't even being overly negative. It wasn't something Danny White would have to step in and stop. It was, it was, uh, it was just getting at the umpires a little bit. So, so they couldn't handle the legends of Lindsey Nelson is, is what you're saying. I, I don't know how much the security guards at, at the state, at Founders Park would have a, a whole lot of problems with uh, the legends of Lindsey Nelson. I don't know about South Carolina's players. I don't know how much of it was on them. I don't know if it was a direct response to some of the um, momentum the legends picked up, but I felt like that re- the release from the South Carolina Athletic Department came in yes. some, uh, you know, timing with maybe some tweets about the the legends. So uh, Yeah, it, I definitely <laughs> think you're right. It coincided in it. It, it definitely helped the legends build the brand because it's kind of right at the start of SEC play or maybe the last week before when uh, it was still the COVID crowds and they were, it was, you know, you could hear them easily on the broadcast and they were, they were starting to kind of build a reputation. So next year, who leads the team in uh, RBI? Is it Jordan Beck or Drew Gilbert? I'm going to go with Jordan Beck. I mean, he led the team in RBIs this year. I think he's the better power hitter. Um, and I think he'll hit in that cleanup spot again and that'll, uh, Give him uh, the most opportunities, and he'll come through. But uh, it really could be either guy. Could you see um, Drew Gilbert leading off, or do you see maybe Kyle Booker at that DH spot, maybe getting that? I, I think uh, Kyle Booker and Seth Stevenson, or, or okay. Seth Stevenson's guy, I said he thinks going to be one of the fastest players in, in the country. Yeah, I, if he finds a starting spot, which a long time until the first game, but you know, right now, if you're going to force me to say yes or no, I'll say he'll start. I think he's a guy that. One of those two guys maybe starts in that, in that one and two hole. I like cool. it. That, this and this team's going to be really exciting again this year. I know you lose some, maybe some of the personalities too on the team, um, but you also retain retain a lot of uh, a lot of the bat flips and the the passion on the mound too. Uh, so it's going to be a really really fun team to watch. Going to be really hard to replicate. I mean, getting to Omaha is a task. It's going to be really hard it to is. replicate that. Um, but I, again, I feel really comfortable about the Tony Vitello and how he's built the program and. We talked about it throughout the season. The, the team matches his energy, um, and it's made the fans match that energy too. I think uh, there were a lot of people upset with the Tennessee fans booing Malinari there when he got his congratulatory retirement thing at uh, Lindsey Nelson. But if Tennessee fans uh, – if we're going to be known for being villains, uh, just as long as we're winning, I'm okay with that. Like you can hate them. You can hate this Tennessee baseball team as long as they just keep going to Omaha. That That's fine with me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think – it was intentional, but Tony Vitello kind of takes on the personality of all nation of all fans. Yeah. I think that's just, that's just who he is. It's not him taking on the personality. That is his personality. Mm-hmm. And then his team takes on that personality from him, that confidence and, and that edge that they play with. And it, it makes Tennessee fans in, in turn really love them. And I, you know, it, it's a new crew. It'll be in a new set of characters. You won't have kind of that first group uh, of recruits that Tony Vitello brought in, but I think you're still going to see that style of baseball and, uh, Tennessee fans are going to enjoy watching it. Yeah, and you see the confidence and and everything like that with the bat flips and like you would think cockiness is something that comes with that, but we've had um, Pete Durke and and Connor Pavoloni on the show and we asked them what their favorite moment was, and it wasn't even something that they did. It was it was Drew Gilbert's walk off home run, which is an insane game, and I mean any, yes. anybody could really pick that, but like it was just really cool to see like. Pavoloni hit a home run against Jack Lauder um, when him and Evan Russell went back to back. Yeah. And I, that wasn't even something that he even mentioned. So, you know, what was kind of 
did you see that kind of all season long? Just yeah, the the confidence was there, but like the the common goal was we're going to win baseball games. Oh, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned Connor Pavoloni. I was thinking about this the other week. You go back to the Vanderbilt walk off, or not walk off, but grand slam in the eighth inning. Connor Pavoloni got <laughs> took the fastball to the hand, the pitch or the bat before to load the bases. Arkansas walk off. He got a leadoff single. Right State walk off. He got a leadoff single. So you know, while he didn't have like the big walk off moment this year, you go back and look at it. Every the real massive ones. He was a major part of all of them. And no, you're right about that. I mean, Drew Gilbert is demonstrative as he plays. You'd think he'd be like amazing to talk to the media. He'd just be a quote machine. But I mean, he's really pretty humble and pretty quiet talking to the media. I mean, he he gives thoughtful answers and all that. But he's not a guy to go out and make huge bold claims or anything and it's it's certainly there are different guys talking to him after the game than than you see on the field and, and kind of the personality and the uh, brashness and if you want to call it arrogance arrogance confidence if you want to call it confidence <laughs> well ryan we really appreciate you coming on the show um you know this was a lot of fun i really really like getting your takes very interesting talking football and baseball um, I'm sure we'll see a ton of you um, on Twitter and everything like that with your articles and everything with Rocky Top Insider. Also with the Smokies, with the Smokies as well. So what are you doing with that? Yeah, so I'm kind of uh, I'm interning in the radio department. So I help with game notes for the game, um, write the game articles for the websites, do the post-game show uh, on the radio with the Mick Gillespie and Frank Lasella, the, the voice of the Smokies. So doing a little bit of that. They're about to start a – a two-week homestand, 13 games in 13 days, starting Tuesday night to get out to get out to Smoky Stadium. We'll give a little plug. Watch, uh, watch the boys. That's awesome. There you and you, uh, you called the Doughboys game this past weekend, right? I did. I did. I called two Doughboys games this weekend. So it's fun uh, going out there, at Johnson City, a uh, little Appalachian League uh, baseball, and they they finished their season. I actually have a friend who's on a, a team in the other division, so it's kind of cool to get a get a call again oh, in that league. Yeah, that is. I I, I live in John City. Uh, big okay. Doughboys fan here. Nice. Been, to one, been to one game. No big deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ryan, we appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Hope to do it again. And uh, yeah, follow. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter uh, for everything up to date Tennessee football right now, and then uh, everything else as well throughout the the year. Appreciate it, guys. We'll yep. love coming on. I'll come on anytime. Thanks, All right, man. Have a great night. You too. That was Ryan Schumbert of Rocky Top Insider um, and then obviously Tennessee Smokies too. And we'll, we'll just call him a Johnson City Doughboys guy now as well. He's He's got that. Well. So as well. uh, we appreciate him hopping on. And uh, like Landon said, getting his side of things as well. Um, guys, drop those questions in the chat if you've got them. We do have a few here. I know I already got to one regarding the NCAA uh, there with Ryan. What's up, Credence? Good to have you on. Um, and Landon gets his own shout out there. Um, there oh, boy. Someone mentioned Vol's time here. Mentioned Ryan kind of threw that out there too. Eight games. There, there's eight. I mean, I I said I think six is the ceiling. Just he, I mean, he said not on record. I, I, well, he said eight winnable games. I didn't. Yeah, know. I'm I'm saying it's on record. Okay. Ryan Ryan Shumpert calls it. Rocky Top Insider called it eight wins. Eight but there are eight winnable games. I'm not arguing that. But when I say eight winnable games, I, I think the other four may be out of question. That's why I think ceiling's probably closer to six. But there are eight winnable. You're right, Vols, Tom. You're absolutely right. He also said, watch out for Cedric Tillman this year. I think, too. I mean, we mentioned that on the last two shows ago. I, because we haven't previewed wide receivers yet, but we have talked about it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think Tillman could certainly find himself um, getting some yeah, playing time this year. Yeah, he's a different kind of wide receiver, you know. 
Ryan mentioned those guys that have all that speed. You know, I know Cedric Tillman has worked on his speed, but that's not like right. he's a, he, he's just kind of go up and get it. He's a taller wide receiver, um, and that's something they don't have a ton of on that on that roster. So yeah, I think he could absolutely. You saw a lot of him in the spring game. Um, so we'll kind of see where where that's at. But yeah, I mean, if Javante Payton, they brought him in, so um, you know, he'll, he'll just have to beat somebody out. Yeah, no, for sure. But I, I do think you could see his name called. Couple times this year, he'll get some playing time for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, we're uh, we're like I said, this is an offensive lineman episode. Oh, I'm gonna uh, we'll get to that. I'm sorry. Uh, if you didn't get to kind of keep up with the weekend festivities, Peyton Manning was rightfully inducted into the Hall of Fame. Only the this is kind of a. It's not really. I guess like. I don't know. You tell me if it's mind blowing. He's just the 15th first overall pick to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Wait, what? So he's the he's the fifteenth number one overall pick to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Is that number low? Is it high? Where do you see it? That seems pretty low to me, doesn't it? There's just I mean there ha- I mean number one it's like I mean, it's easy to bust. There's nowhere to go but there or not bust but like you you can only really go down from number one. But that does seem I thought it was I thought it was a pretty low number too. I thought it was a cool stat, but I didn't know if I was just. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, um, obviously impressive to do because, like I said, there's there's not where – it's hard to be the number one overall guy and then come in and just be great because right. there's nowhere else to go. Um, I'll, I'll get the other names. Uh, let me see here. Number one – I'll look it up real quick. But I did – I didn't cry, uh, which I thought I would. I cried when he retired. He wasn't very emotional, though, this time around, except when he started talking about his dad. That's about, that was about it. Yeah, he was. Um, that was one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Um, and I, you know, I'm probably biased a little bit because it's Peyton Manning and everything he does is great. Um, but I mean, is there a more likable guy in sports? Like I tweeted this out the other day. Like I, I, I really can't think of one. And maybe it is my bias coming into play, but it's certainly my bias. But I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, I want to. I, I mean, I guess it's fun to argue about the GOAT. Like, I, I guess it's, like, fun. The thing that bothers me, though, and it's the same thing with, like, the LeBron-MJ debate, um, the the Cristiano Ronaldo-Lionel Messi debate, the Peyton Manning-Tom um, Brady debate. It's, like, those, like, if, if we're going to sit here and argue about rings and accolades and all that and, you know, look at the weapons they had around them or the defenses they had or the coaches they had or whatever, but it's, like, those two dudes are so great it is stupid to even argue about who the goat is. And I think, I think Tom Brady is one of the goats, if not the goat, but it's so dumb to have that, have that argument when, I mean, Peyton Manning did so much more for the game than win championships. Like he drastically changed how it was played. He was a, he's a different, like, he's just, he's Peyton Manning. Like, yeah. And he's won Super Bowls and he set records. And I mean, he literally had to learn to throw a football again before he could come back and play after his surgery. So, I mean, if we're like, like, don't be, just don't be dumb. That's all I ask. Don't be dumb. I mean, how many, how many kids are running around in, in Michigan or, uh, or new England named Tom? Um, maybe there is quite a bit, but there's a ton in just in the Knoxville, just in Knoxville kids running around with the name Peyton. Yeah. I'm pretty upset with the name Peyton. I'm pretty upset that my uh, my parents had to 
conceived me so early, I would have loved for my name to be Peyton. Uh, that's pretty disappointing. I was born right before he got to campus. Uh, mm. Right. I was born. At, oh, they, they could have done it. I was born a year after he got to campus. It's, it's biblical, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could find the name Peyton somewhere in like in, somewhere in like one of these new tests in these uh, new versions of the Bible. I'm sure. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We'll just add I'm it sure. in. Yeah. Um, so there, I, I was correct. Just I wanted to. Uh, only 14 players in the history of the National Football League draft have gone from being the first overall pick of a draft to earning an election in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, Bill Dudley in 1942, Paul Hornung in 1957, O.J. Simpson in 1969, Earl Campbell in 1978. Do you want me to read all these off? Uh, some are unsurprising. Terry Bradshaw, John Elway, Troy Aikman. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. It's It's a very elite club, obviously. Yeah. Very elite club. I also didn't know that O.J. Simpson was in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's just like, wouldn't he have gone in? Okay, well, Pete Rose can't be in the Hall of Fame, but O.J. Simpson can? I mean, let's... Whoa, 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 whoa. If the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit, Landon. <laughs> I mean, like, let's... Let's be real here. Let, let's have a little bit of sense. If Pete Rose can't be in it, then why the hell is O.J. Simpson? Well, baseball's known for making the dumbest decisions of all time. Oh, yeah. I agree. And I'm not saying the NFL made the right decision to put O.J. Simpson in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying they're known for making the dumbest decisions of all time. Yeah. So, um, I, so I mentioned Peyton Manning, how much I, I, I love Peyton Manning. I am, I want a shirt, like I, I want to, I don't know how to frame it, but like I want a Colts branded shirt that's like, I'm here for Peyton. Because I watched so many Indianapolis Colts game growing up. I don't give an F about the Colts. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all Colts fans and we're all Broncos fans. Um, and now, like, we care less if they ever win a game again. Um, and I think a lot of people have just kind of inherited a team after that. Like, I have. I, I've tried to – I mean, I am – and it's – it's. I cheer for everything Tennessee. If Tennessee gets an MLB team, I'll, I'll drop – Gladly drop the Cubs. Um, oh, God, <laughs> what Cubs? Do they even have a team anymore? No, they don't. They play <laughs> for the Yankees now, and and uh, uh, the Giants and the, the Giants, and yeah, they, they're they're gone. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm just a Tennessee guy. So like, when people are like, "Who's your NFL team?" I'm like, I mean, I guess the Titans. But I always cheer for Peyton, and then fantasy football. Fantasy football makes it hard to be like a fan of one team, honestly. Yeah, it'll make you hate a team real quick. <laughs> Very quickly, especially yeah. yeah, So will betting. (laughs) Yes, like Iowa Hawkeyes. We will never bet on Iowa Hawkeye basketball ever again. No matter what. No No matter matter what. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool. Like he he he's I mean he's a funny guy. Um, and and he mentioned the the speech and he mentioned Tom Brady through shade of him. And he's always kind of been dad funny too. Yeah, oh yeah. Like even when he was young, he was like he had that that dad humor to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And did you see the the pop up of his all time record against Tom Brady? No. So they played seventeen times head to head. Yeah, Peyton's eleven and six. Ooh, what about the playoffs? Playoffs, Landon. What do you he, mean? He does have a losing record in the playoffs. Oh, against Tom Brady? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about that? Head to head, baby. <laughs> playoffs. Playoffs. Um. Yeah, I just, I just like his speech was just incredible. I mean, the 
God bless football. That's freaking an electric. Well, he's been saying that for a while. He said it at the call at the college induction. Um, He said it after, I believe he said it after his retirement. And then um, he said it somewhere else recently too. I can't remember. God bless football. I did. I watched. Have you seen the video? I assume you have of uh, when he finds out he's going to be, in, you know, he's been invited, inducted into the. Yeah, all with all the coaches. I, I cried. I don't even think Peyton cried that day. I cried. I mean, you just get chill bumps. Yeah. Um, and I got chill bumps last night listening to that speech, like the whole entire time. Yeah. I was it like, was... I might need to call a doctor. Like it, it's been, I've had goosebumps for way too long. Right. No, it was. Uh, it was definitely. It was cool. And, and I mean. That stuff's cool for everybody, but um, I mean, as a Tennessee fan, as a like the guy, I mean, Peyton even mentions, which I think all the guys mentioned, like the college they went to, but like he mentioned it like, you know, Tennessee, like the University of Tennessee. Like this is like he, he's a, the University of Tennessee is a part of him just as much as he's a part of the University of Tennessee. Uh, I mean, obviously, too, I watched Drew Pearson, Drew Pearson's speech. He is just an electric factory. Like, he's awesome. <laughs> did you watch any of the speeches before Peyton's, or did you like – I did not. I, I just watched Peyton's. So, I watched the whole thing leading up to Peyton and then stopped after Peyton. Um, so, like, Drew Pearson was the first to go, and it was awesome. He did a great – he's, like, electric factory. Loved him. He's older, so I don't – I didn't know – like, I mean, I knew who Drew Pearson was. I didn't know much about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the first time I knowingly listened to him, and it was awesome. Troopers, I'll have to go look that up. Yeah, he did. He did a. I need to go watch the rest of them too. I, I will watch. I, I am going to watch Calvin Johnson's tonight before I go to bed here. Um, anything else about the Hall of Fame? Anything else about Peyton Manning? Peyton F. and Manning. That's all I got. I mean, it was just really cool seeing. You know, his kind of whole family there. You saw Arch Manning, and you know, maybe he saw that. Uh, Heard that University of Tennessee, maybe you saw Phil Former um, sitting in front of him. I, I just Phil Former get in front of the the Mannings. That, that's what I was curious about. Yeah, I, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking maybe that was a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. How how he put him on an outside room. seat or something. Maybe I, I no clue, man. <laughs> no clue. Maybe he needed help getting up so they couldn't slot him into the the back row or something. But yeah, um, yeah, they maybe he was there earlier. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Baptist. That's what it is. The Mannings oh, are Baptist. Yeah. yeah, so they got to sit as far back as they can. Gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense. Absolutely. Um, we'll go with that. I don't know what his denomination I is. I have no idea what he is. That was a, that was a Baptist <laughs> joke. I think he had to be Baptist to get that. Um, apologies. I know that was very very centered on one group here. Like I said, this is an offensive line episode, so let's talk Trey Smith. Let's – is a starter. I mean, he in his first still, year. Still, still a draft. If was, you get a starter in the sixth round, still a draft. Yeah. I wonder what that grade was. I mean, we saw. I wonder what he was graded as. Like that, you know how they go out and grade each pick of the draft. I wonder what that pick. It had to be graded high. It had to be an A plus. I want to know what. I want to read the actual Mike Farrell tweet. Oh, it was dumb. Know. I'll be waiting for the gift baskets and apologies from the Trey Smith should have been a five-star crowd or for the excuses, one or the other. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's, Dude, that's, that's freaking awesome. I love that so much. Oh, anytime that can come back to bite people. I mean, like, you know, like there was, there was no need for it. And the five, no. and the fact that you look like an idiot for it is awesome. 
Right. And then it's like the baseball people who are like, well, I mean, wait till, wait till Tennessee plays Vanderbilt. Wait till Tennessee plays Arkansas. Wait till they play in a regional. Wait till they play in a super regional. And it's like, they just kept proving them wrong. It's like this. Yeah. It's like this. So let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find what, what he was, what the pick was rated. Yeah, I mean, how, like you I said, mean, he, I mean, there, he was 226th overall in the draft. Yeah. And there's no way, like, there's no way all the first-rounders are going to be starters. Draft slot value as versus reach, A-plus. Best, best, best player available, A-plus. Need immediate impact. I mean, of course, this came out in April. B-plus, long-term upside, A. Fit with the Chiefs, A. Overall pick grade, A. Yeah, and he gets to go, like, he's, he's a starter on a really good team. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like, you're disappointed to go that low, especially, you know, how good you were in college, blah, blah, blah. I know there's some health concerns, but it's like, when you if you go six to a team that's going to be contending for the AFC Championship, you're, you're pretty happy. Yeah. Are you happy or not with Jeremy Pruitt and Joe Judge in New York <laughs> right now with all the crap that they're doing? Yeah, I mean, you can't even get free snacks at the, the snack bar in New York. What's that all about? Trash. Absolute trash. But yeah, I mean you get to be you get the blog for the best quarterback in the NFL. You you can't find a better situation than Trey Smith kind of lucked into. Um did have to fall to the sixth round to go to it, but um, you know, getting a starting position, I, I think he'll take that. For sure. Every day. The, the man will get paid after his rookie contract anyway. So Yeah. They may, I mean, depending on how this season goes, they may uh, already be talking. What's the – I don't remember what the uh, threshold is before you can start renegotiating those rookies, the rookie contracts. Two years? The two years? Is it, is, it, is it after two you have to wait two years? Because it's just a three-year contract. Well, no, it'll be lower for six, for a six-round pick. He won't get a three-year contract, will he? I don't know I what his contract is. He really signed up. a four-year contract. Ready? Okay. Interesting. See, I don't know when. Maybe it's different. Four-year deal. I mean, golly, we're three point six million. That's pretty good money. Not a lot of guaranteed, though. Yeah. That's the difference. You don't get that. But I mean, he, he is probably going to get a lot of that guaranteed now that he's a starter. Well, that'll have to be after restructure, right? So, um, okay. Anything else? Trey Smith, NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah, love love All the beef talk tonight. A lot of beef talk. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a weird way of saying it, but I mean, offensive It line caught line. me off guard. I, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I got you. I'm with Speaking you. Speaking of beef, not really beef, but just like disgusting, nasty, Where's smelly. New Orleans <laughs> smells terrible. Oh, yeah. It comes oh, my God. Territory. Oh, my God. I mean, like. Just sweat, piss. Oh, Dude, like, like you know the alleyways, like of just full of trash in Knoxville. Oh yeah, that's what yeah, the whole city smells like. It's just New Orleans. Yeah, it doesn't help oh. with below sea level. Yeah, it smells like just straight swamp ass. Do you uh, do you see Alvin Kamara? I didn't. I was looking for him, but you know, I did not see him. Um, but dude, it, it's a wide. Like, have you ever been? I know you're. you're you couldn't. I, Go to this. I've, trip, I've been as a as a child. I haven't been okay. uh, as an adult. And, so probably not um, Bourbon Street. I didn't go to Bourbon Street, and I had a terrifying experience um, in New Orleans when I went. And I actually went for my brother. My brother went to the Peyton Manning Passing Academy, 
And so we went and dropped him off at, um, oh, where do they hold it? What college is that? I have to look that up now. Um, but they hold it at a college outside of New Orleans. And so we, we were dropping him off there. So we spent the day in New is Orleans. Is it Tulane? I, I, don't, I don't think it's Tulane. I, I could be wrong, but okay. I think it's it's a uh, Nickel State. That's oh, okay. It. I knew it was a small it was a smaller school. Um, that's where uh, Ollie, that's, is that where he went? R- Ronald Ollie went. Yeah. God, what year was that? Two thousand. I would have been two thousand six. He went. I don't know if it's always been at Nickel State. I I, I know it wasn't at Tulane though, because we probably okay. would have spent more time. Because Tulane's a cool campus. I think it's like in New Orleans. This one was like not really in it. Um, okay. I could be completely wrong about Nickel State too. Don't hold me to that. But well, the, um, the downtown is like really cool, but like yeah. everything around New Orleans oh, yeah. is gross. It's rough. Yeah. Um, I think that's where Little Wayne's from. We actually passed Hollygrove, where he's from. Okay. Gotcha. Let's see if I can. But yeah, it's like we walked down Bourbon Street at like 3 p.m. And there's, I mean, everybody's just out on the streets partying. Um, And and everything is like a big hustle there. Like we went into a bar and the bartender was just like, I'll bet you all $20 that I can beat you on Flip Cup. (laughs) Do you take anybody on it? Hell no. You didn't see a single person. You were like, I could beat him in Flip Cup. I mean, I was just like this. It was a girl, and she, like, the the bar didn't have a lip. Like, it, like, folded down. And so, like, you had to, like, pick up the cup a little bit to flip it anyway. So, I'm so like. She was, cheating. she was definitely cheating. Yeah, I was like, you're, I feel like you're hustling me. And she's like, that's New Orleans. And I was like. Fair. That fair. does not make me want to do it anymore. <laughs> but I, I love the way they talk down there. Like, that is the, the best part about it. Like, we were in the casino, and, like. You tip her after a hand or after every couple of hands, and uh, the lady she was like, "Thank you, baby." So, you. how much money did you win? I didn't. I didn't actually play. Oh, you suck! I knew you. No, there was one guy that we went with. He lost three hundred dollars. So. Oh, nice. Good for him. Yeah. Hey, what happens? What happens in New Orleans stays in New Orleans. So we can't talk about that. Yeah, can't I just I, I, only the good. I'm gonna keep my my betting to to sports only i think <laughs> but also also the blackjack blackjack was $25 a hand they didn't have a smaller minimum or y'all were just playing the hour $20 $20 is the smallest they had what yeah so I'm like i mean if you lose two hands you're down 40 bucks like yeah, uh, nah. cuz i think wrong. the one on the cruise what is it like 10 or 5 uh, they have different tables, but yeah, they had a, I think there was a $3, maybe a $5. Like they, they were different. Yeah. Different it, ones. Yeah. That 20 bucks. I mean, we went, we tried to go in the middle of the day the next day to see if it was lower. No. Yeah. That's, I, I wouldn't have played a $20 buy in. No. Uh, I wouldn't have done that. And I'm a, I'm a, uh, I mean, I, I, I play poker to, for fun. I do it recreationally to lose money. So I'm not going to lose $20. <laughs> yeah. No. No, thank you. Love it. Um, okay, most important of the week. Most important. How about uh, Team USA coming back and beating China in the medal count? Yeah, that was big time. Um, 
can't imagine all the bullcrap political. We'll probably still get them. Clay Travis, uh, if John had beat us at something. So that was good. <laughs> good to stay away from. Um, my first one, the Dodgers ball girl. Did you see it? Oh, yeah, the tackle. Dude, excellent. I mean, and this pitch evader had – I mean, he had he had like four or five security guards. I think he even broke a tackle before that. And she just – I mean, excellent angle. This girl was – she was she was trained. This wasn't her first rodeo. Oh, yeah. Wasn't her she, first rodeo. Yeah, she had pretty good form. She uh, moved her feet a little bit, did a little shuffle. Which, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm not rooting for that because I'm like – I'm, I'm definitely a person that's like, that's not my job kind of deal um so yeah that's how i'm probably how i would have been to somebody else would get <laughs> i might have helped i might have helped him over the fence yeah but all in all impressive for sure i mean what if he just mowed over her <laughs> she's terrible i shouldn't laugh at that but her, like, pl- her plan was to get a big payout from the dodgers she was oh yeah because i'm pretty sure it's like a thing with like Lows. They're like, if somebody's stealing, do not go after them because if they shoot you, we don't want to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they probably told her if somebody's shrieking, do not, that's for security. But she took it in her own hands and uh, made the guy pay. Couldn't get away. He, he thought he was going to get away. He was actually breaking some tackles. He, he did a good job. I've seen some good pitch evading this summer. I'm not saying you should do it, but I've seen some good ones this summer. <laughs> Um, my next one is Zach Levine. Listen to this. So Zach Levine has won four straight Olympic games, and that was the longest win streak since college. Levine has never won four straight NBA games. <laughs> that is a wild stat. That's heartbreaking. I'm so sorry, Zach Levine. Um, but I'm glad you finally got to that milestone in the Olympics. <laughs> Because it didn't look like you were going to get it in that either. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. Um, I'm trying to pull up the exact stats for my next one, but Tyler Johnson, who is actually a uh, University of Tennessee athlete, he plays golf for the University of Tennessee. He won the Tennessee Golf Amateur this past week. He finished his round or he finished his the tournament at minus 27 with a 14 stroke lead on the next best on the, the runner up, and I believe yeah he finished. Minus eight for the day, uh, I believe, to win it. So that's a pretty freaking insane. I mean, he just is the lowest round in, in Tennessee amateur history. Okay. Pretty pretty insane round and pretty insane tournament by him. And Cade Russell, the runner-up, that finished 14 strokes behind. Sorry, Cade, I had to mention that. But he also, the runner-up, also Tennessee golfer. Nice. Some local guys getting in on the action. Love it. Um, you have any more most important? Um, I don't have any more most important. I do have a fail of probably the century, though. So I have a few fails. Uh, my last most important. Did you see uh, Colt McCoy? Whisk, w- wished, wished Kyle, Kyle. God bless. Let's start over. Let's just start the whole episode over, and we'll come back. Colt McCoy wished Kyler Murray a happy birthday on uh, on uh, cameo. Did you see this? No. Uh-uh. So they said. Uh, I don't know exactly like how they did it, but they apparently they had to make like a fake cameo account, and then uh, Colt McCoy wasn't gonna make it, and then they got paid him more money, I guess, to make it. He didn't know it was for Kyler Murray. I need to find the full video. It, it's uh, God bless, it's pretty funny. I think he he says something about Texas in it too. Like, I heard you're a big Texas fan or something like that. Mm. 
Because he, I, I don't, they didn't give him obviously Kyler Murray's name to wish him happy birthday. Gotcha. Let's go set that up. He uses his mom's, uh, his stepmom's, I think, our mother-in-law's credit card and some made-up email, so it was untraceable. And then Cole, Cole wouldn't do it, and so we had to pay, like, double the fee to, like, get it accelerated. <laughs> I want to reach out and tell you, happy birthday, man. Uh, I know you're, you're a quarterback, too, of the Longhorns, and I just want to wish you good luck in training camp. Stay Yeah, no idea. He said his, the kid's name was Buddy. So, Buddy, yeah. Will you send that to me? That's so. hilarious. I will. That that was uh that was one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite TikToks in the last couple couple days. That was a great one. Um. That's just I I've tried to find creative ways to use Cameo. First off, it's so freaking expensive. I'll never use it. But uh that's that was a great use of Cameo right there. Yeah. Um, did you see this this could be a most important. Did you see the college or the the Texas senator just rip into the um was it the president of Texas it was, or was it the A D? No, I think it was just a representative that graduated from Texas. Was okay. it the? Because they I were think, talking about the budget for. Oh, maybe it was then. I, for some reason, I was thinking. I think it was the AD. Okay. Yes, but I did. Regardless, she threw some shade. He had an yeah. association with the University of Texas. Yeah, she's like, "What is your budget?" And he's like, uh, two million or two two hundred fifty million, I think." Yeah, and she he's like, "Yeah, it's probably the highest in the country." And she's like, oh, maybe your fan base would rather lose to Alabama than TCU. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, screw you, Texas. You suck. Uh, I've only got one fail. Uh, I'm not going to mention the other one. I want to talk to you about it, though. But I'm not ready to talk about it on the show. Uh, but Clay Travis. I mean, just he's such a douchebag. Like, he's such a douchebag. I can't stand him because he's like, keep politics out of sports, but all he talks about is politics and he runs a sports page. Um, I don't know. It's so stupid. But he was the one who tweeted the poll out. It was like, why have you not watched the Olympics? And it was, where was it? The number one was because of politics and sports. It's like, I don't know. It's so, it's so dumb. Like, I don't know. I just, you know where I don't hear politics? It's on game day or when I'm watching an event. It's always these stupid pundits that have to get on because they have nothing else to fill content, I guess. I don't know. And, and they have to talk about it outside of the game. I've never, like, I don't know. The athletes aren't running, like, I mean, maybe they're tweeting about it, but they're not out there after a touchdown and, and then, Showing their colors, it's just—it's so stupid, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's not even—it's not even real. Like I don't know, it, all these people that voted in it probably have never watched the Olympics, so you don't even know if it's a true representation. I, it, the poll's dumb, and then he used it to validate a point that's dumb too. So it, it was just dumb. Yeah, let's be honest. You didn't watch the Olympics because everything that was good was on at like midnight. Time zone is why I didn't watch the Olympics this year. I, yeah. I usually watch the Olympics quite a bit. And I mean, I still watched, you know, plenty of events, not, uh, not as many as I usually do. Um, mm. Usually I'm a big swimming fan this time of year or this time of every four years, but. Um, it's just hard to 
I didn't get to watch as much swimming, man. I mean, I didn't get as much Katie Ledecky as I wanted this year. Especially in that 800-meter free. Yeah, um, I, 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 I set out 15 minutes of my day to watch it. So listen to this. This is my one and only fail. Um, Kendall Jenner. I hope this is real. I hope this is like a, an actual thing that was tweeted, but she literally tweeted, this is the cutest little Ziploc baggie I've ever seen. Or oh. this is on Snapchat. Have you seen the baggie? With like white powder in it? I think I well, did see this. I mean, it. you probably you can't see it, can you? I think I did. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's literally like somebody already – Use the white powder that was in it, but wasn't there some maybe leftover residue? Yeah, I mean, there they, you could probably see some little stuff in there. Yeah, sure. But I'm like, really? This is the cutest little Ziploc bag I've ever seen. It was pretty cute. I won't lie. Yeah, also it probably made your nose bleed too. <laughs> <laughs> Awfully cute. Awfully cute. Um. All right. That's that's all I've got for most important and fails. That's all I got. Good episode. Great episode. We love having Ryan on. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to talk some more Vols and um, keep the uh, position preview as we count down. It will be, let's see, 21 days at that point. Exactly three weeks out until uh, kickoff. Landon will be at the first game. I will not. We will have a live episode that night, though. Short episode, not like this, um, of our keys to the game and whatnot for that. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for all of our uh, – we're hoping to maybe – Get back into the swing of things this year. We missed a lot out in 2020. Probably a good thing when you look in hindsight. Um, but we missed a lot of our favorite things about college football, uh, like most people did. I think someone mentioned earlier in the chat, what's is Tennessee going to have 100% capacity? They did announce it last week, 100% capacity. I know that's going to be a question probably all year with with uh, some things, just unknowns and some changing things. But um, right now, 100% capacity. I found out this year or this weekend, I do have my season tickets. Trying to figure out how to get the physical. I have the digital. I don't remember opting. My brother doesn't remember opting in for digital. So I'm going to see if maybe I can somehow still get. I'm a big physical guy. I, yeah. I don't think I have it. It might be at this house. I have literally every ticket to every, probably just about every game I've been to in the last six years. Mm-hmm. Not just Tennessee, every sporting event. I love keeping them. Um, I hope one day my my great great grandkids will maybe find it and be like, man, this guy was really depressed. He went to Tennessee football, <laughs> U.S. men's national teams games. He made the trip to the 2019 SEC championship game. What the f- is wrong with him? So, um, yeah, I love I love hanging on to my tickets. I know a lot of people do. So I'm gonna see if I can get my physical still. Yeah, I think we got we got our physicals in the mail. I don't know what he did, what my dad did to like opt in or whatever it was probably an email and we probably just missed it so yeah they should just be able to print them up i feel like they're gonna be like well we should have done and i'll be like listen i have some dirt on this football program i'll just have to blackmail them i don't have the blackmail that's gonna make it harder i'll be like i will call the hotline right now Yeah. yeah sure about, about like last year, not like this year. Yeah, no, no, no. I'd never do that. I'd be like, I know something about Jeremy Pruitt. And they'd be like, who doesn't? Clint. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Love it. Guys, thanks right, guys. again for listening. Yeah. God, God bless football. God bless football, baby. Love it. We're bringing the boat in, and we out.